You're listening to a Monkey Buns production. Hello and welcome to Alfie Pod's Fantasy Footy FBL Weekly Edition, the show for football fans who love to geek out on the official Fantasy Premier League with a balance of stats, partisan opinions and, that's right, football banter. My name is Alfie, I'm a live comedy entertainer and unashamed Portsmouth supporter. Each week I'm joined by experienced FPL content writers from around the globe as they heroically lend me their skills and guide me through their philosophies and tactical choices for the fixtures that lay ahead. On this episode we look ahead to game week four. The arrival of big Cristiano Ronaldo has thrown so many premium cats amongst the pigeons when it comes to getting all the big guns in our teams. So much so that many of us, including myself, have decided to action the wild card just three weeks into the season. So when is the right time to bring in the GOAT? Who will be taking the penalties at United? Is Chelsea's Christensen the best value defender? And are Arsenal about to offer exceptional value despite their torrid start? These questions and more in our chatty football pie. Welcome to FPL Weekly. I'm, of course, Alfie, and you are you, and I do have guests with me calling from Dat Damdare in Dublin, a seasoned FBL baller who can finally enjoy watching the Republic of Ireland, knowing that one of their best players is a Pompey player. Hello, Matt Kearney. How are you? Not too bad, Alfie. How's things? Great. I'm just enjoying your best player being a Pompey player, of course, but, you know, he's good, though, isn't he? Kazuno. Is that his name? <laughs> Let's yeah, say it right. Bazuna, yeah. Is that the yeah. Irish pronunciation? It is, yeah. That's the translation. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Also on the show, from the Netherlands, the semi-professional footballer who will not appear on a podcast until he's had his hair cut, short back and side, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren on top. It's Jordi van der Laan. How are you, Jordi? Hi, Alfie. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Are you happy with your haircut? Well, yeah, there's headphones over it now, so I can't, can't judge it, but... Yeah, I'm looking in the mirror tomorrow, so we'll see you by then. <laughs> All day? Good. Enjoy that. <laughs> and calling from Colombia, a man who can't for once brag about the weather as it's actually been quite good in the UK. It's the man who some say his opinions on Trent Alexander-Arnold are lazy. It's Will, a.k.a. <laughs> Top Marks. How are you, Will? I don't know if I could be asked to do this podcast, Alfie. I'm too lazy. <laughs> I haven't done any research for it. What we're going to do? Oh, it's good. It was good. It's nice to have that. Uh, it was a fair criticism. It was fair criticism. It was a bit. I mean, that you know, we're getting a soundbite, a little clip. But my whole, my point was, as as uh, we'll, we'll discuss, is it's just you know the defence in general and. Trent Alexander being the weakest link. I'm off on one already. I'm off on one already. I'm yeah, wild. We'll, we'll What's to, going on? This is just the intro. We'll get to that at the end. We'll get that to the end. Let's move straight on into the thick of it, uh, lads. Let's talk Ronaldo, okay? 12.5. The GOAT has landed. I think everyone at United's happy. Plenty of quotes going round. You know, he's a great player. He's a top human being. He's a top professional. So you will give everyone around the club a buzz. And that's from Man United's new assistant manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Do you think Kepa, who, who's a better manager, like Kepa or uh, Ronaldo? I think um, <laughs> I think Ronaldo's boss, isn't he? I mean, he has to be boss, doesn't he? I mean, that's when he won Portugal in the European Championship as the, as the manager, didn't he, really, from the side? From the side, he did. And, and his moth. That's true. 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, are we are we jumping on Cristiano now, like this weekend, or if not, when are you going to do Ron Ron? I mean, I wouldn't jump on Ronaldo because you'd probably injure him, and that's the last thing we want to do to Ronaldo, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> It's a dodgy um, start the pod, isn't it? Right, but are we are we doing it this weekend? Come on, we need to know. We need to know. I'm not, no. Okay. No, me neither. Jordi, Matt. Yeah, I I was until all this this kind of discourse about will he start, won't he start, uh, crept up. So now I'm I'm kind of I don't know. I I'm kind of getting cold feet. My my alternative is I can delay it by a week just to see how he settles in because I mean it just means I keep Fernandez, which I don't think Fernandez is going to blank against Newcastle so uh, I could just make a defensive change get rid of Simicas uh, I got a million in the bank and I could roll the other free transfer and you know get him in next week but it's very it's very team dependent though because uh, I said I'm not going to bring in Ronaldo but it doesn't mean I don't value him as a pick obviously because I maxed out on, the, on United assets and I, if I'm bringing him in I need to take a hit and transfer out Bruno Fernandes. So there's choices to be made and they aren't easy. But is Cristiano available this week? He's available to play. Yeah. Yeah, so as far as I know. So logic suggests that even if he starts on the bench, he'll come on and score against Newcastle, right? Can you start on the bench? Is that is that such a thing? Can you start a match? You're not really starting a match if you're on the bench. You can are you? start a match on the bench. I'm just I... going to be pedantic all <laughs> yeah. day. <This> is... <laughs> yeah. You can start, mate. You can start a match left back in the changing room, can't you? <laughs> um, but no, you can start. Yeah, yeah, I get your point. I think he probably starts. I mean, I don't see like he's been at training since Tuesday, hasn't he? I don't see why he wouldn't start. I just don't. I, I just don't see a world where he isn't the boss at United and he doesn't get. Call us. I've seen things on Twitter. People are like, I'm going to stick with Bruno Fernandes because I'll think he'll keep penalties. I mean, I just, I, honestly, there's no way in any universe, there's no way Bruno keeps penalties. Is there? I mean, you come on. You don't, well, what would be the reason? Because because Ronaldo is a United legend and he's the big man and he needs to take pens. Because basically, it, yes. History, history <laughs> suggests that Bruno is, is right there as the best penalty taker. He's. He's far better. Okay, Jordi, let me so, ask you this: Is okay. is Ronaldo the best free kick taker for Portugal? No, no. Who takes the uh, free well, kicks for Portugal? For... I don't know. I, I'm not sure. The answer is, is no. His 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 percentage, his hit rate is awful. But do you know who takes them? Yeah, but that, for the yeah, last but, ten years, but, but Ronaldo is a is has been a, uh, has earned himself legendary status for Portugal. Exactly, like, exactly for, my point. For ten years ago, and he has been playing for them for that long. But he's coming back to United now. United are a different side than no. when he played for them. Yeah, he's like damn right they're ago. a different side. When he played from they were winning everything. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a bad pick or, or whatever. I mean players like Bruno Fernandes are there. Um and he's that good at penalties. Why would he be taken off them? Yeah, who takes the penalties <laughs> for Portugal though? <laughs> yeah, Ronaldo. Well after and after last week now. Uh, Fernando scored a penalty for Portugal, so I just don't see yeah. it, mate. You reckon? I, I mean, you reckon I mean, if there's a penalty? Obviously, for FPL, oh, come for, on. FPL, for FPL purposes, I'd say Ronaldo is a better pick than Bruno Fernandes, obviously. But in terms of penalties, I'm not confident yeah. that Ronaldo will take them. To, to be fair, like uh, Ronaldo did take get a penalty against Ireland and it was saved. So it, it definitely, like, if had he scored it, I would think, okay, he's still got to be on penalties. Bruno Fernandez is in that team. But now that it's missed, 
you know, and Bruno has a great record. If it's not broke, don't fix it. You know that kind of. I, we're I'm, not just, talk- I'm just playing devil's advocate. We're, but we're here. not talking about a normal player. This is the greatest player <laughs> of all time. I don't think people really grasp. He's the greatest okay, player of all me, time. And he's coming back to United because because Messi, like, <laughs> no. But the Messi. point is that Alfie, he's coming back. Hang on, hang on. He's coming back to United. They've got that. They've got Oli got a soldier in charge. Effectively, they can go this whole season, not go anywhere. Bruno's been there and he's not, they've not won anything, right? The greatest player of all time is coming back, especially the greatest player of all time in the United sense. He's coming back to save them. There's, if there's a penalty on his debut against Newcastle, do you honestly think, and he's on the pitch, do you honestly think Ronaldo's not going to take it? Alfie, let me ask you this question. <laughs> go on. United, United reached uh, like, uh, the semi-final of the Champions League. They are, they are drawing against, uh, I don't know, who cares? They get a 88-minute penalty. Who do you want to take if you were Solskjaer? It's not about who do I want to... Who do you, do you want to take? Again, you're asking a different question. You're basically suggesting that Solskjaer has a say in it. He doesn't have a say in it. That's my, <laughs> this is my whole well, point. I'm not saying Bruno should be on penalties or Bruno shouldn't or anything, or in a normal sense. I'm just saying this is Cristiano Ronaldo. What he says goes. There's no chance he's not going to take penalties. I think, it's, yeah, I'm still not convinced that Ronaldo will take them. And that reduces his appeal uh, in appeal terms. Just as a side note, does like I know it's a little bit of a different situation, but I don't, Messi didn't start his uh, first game. He was available for PSG, did he? No, he he came off the bench. He was a sub, and uh, yeah. Mbappe got both goals in the game. So yeah. I, I, I know it's a bit of a different situation, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, we can't compare it with that. I also saw a tweet, I don't know from who, that said uh, uh, Bruno Fernandes was, was bought on the 20, 29th of January uh, last year. And he played, he started against Wolverhampton two or three days later. So, yeah. Yeah, he was straight in the side. But they, they, they were really in dire straits just, then, weren't they? But I think that's more to do with fitness levels, isn't it? And Messi probably didn't start against Lille, yeah. I think they were playing, because of the break from the Copa America. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome. funny. I didn't think I'd be sat here on a podcast defending Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> will, will Will you reckon Ronaldo's fit? I reckon Ronaldo's fit. Yeah. <laughs> what? what, what? <laughs> I was a bit tongue in cheek. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you meant by that comment, Jordi. But anyway, yeah, I think he's physically fit enough to play to start a match for Manchester City. Yeah. Man United. No other innuendo For <laughs> It was. Oops. <laughs> Oops. He United. Sorry, you got that wrong. Um, it's funny how Bruno's become the hipster's choice now, isn't it? No one ever thought that would happen. Well, it's, it's strange because, it's, because his ownership hasn't dropped that, that far off. I think he's still the highest owned player in the game. Jordi, mm. have uh, you got green wood? Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't be <that. laughs> uh, Okay. Uh, Will, why don't I ask you, actually, in terms of the price change, because you know I never understand the price change situation. Yeah. How will the price change work with Big Chris? Is it likely to stay? So if we don't jump on, is there a chance that it will rise? Or is it the fact that if so many people will jump on at once, it won't change? How does it work? What, for Ronaldo specifically? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's locked, as far as I'm aware, until after his first match, basically. Right, okay. Um, so his price won't change before before the deadline. Okay, so we don't have to. I don't have to worry about that. Essentially, you don't have to worry about being priced out. You could. You could. You don't have to get him instantly. But but Alfie, you are on a wild card and you are considering leaving him out. 
Yeah, because I've I've got enough money in the bank to swap Antonio on next week. I want to stick with Antonio this week. Uh, I was thinking. Yeah, okay, I can anyway. get that, but if you're going for Ronaldo, then this is the right week to do it, right? Well, I mean, but but when I made the changes, this is what I'm clarifying because when I made the changes, there was all talk of that he'll miss the Newcastle game, but now yeah, it's okay. like he's going to play. So, if he's available, I think I will bring him in because even from the bench, he's it's not like yeah, he's not going to come on, right? He'll probably come on at half time. Ollie, I'm going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some Ron stats for you. 2008-2009 uh, season, that was his last Premier League season. 33 games, 18 goals, 7 assists. But that, that was as a winger. That was when he was a winger. Uh, the last season for Juve, so last season, 29 goals in 33 games in Serie A. I mean, But as a team that was changed its tactics to get crosses in and to suit Ronaldo's strengths, bear in mind. And are Man United set up in the same way at the moment? They're probably not. But they will be uh, soon. <laughs> they might be after a few training sessions, but they're, <laughs> they're not currently. I mean, like, Shaw can cross the ball well, but they don't get crosses in from both sides. I think that's another factor to consider that those stats for you, they could be a bit misleading. Right, okay. And and also, um, but it does actually highlight Luke Shaw's worth as well. If he's going to pump the ball into the box for Ronaldo yeah. to score, makes his uh, yeah, he, those, could, he could become a better asset definitely. Mm. And those twenty nine goals last season, Alfie included six penalties. So be so aware of that. Only six. Who was taking the penalties yeah. instead of him? And he took he took more. So you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Sorry, do you, do you know how many he took? Did he take like? 12 and only score six. Uh, he took 14. No, I'm kidding. He took eight, score six. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Ron's on pens. We know that much. <laughs> <is true. laughs> Matt, uh, Arsenal versus Norwich this game week, game week four. Obviously, this will break Will's heart, but Arsenal have been getting a lot of stick and a lot of Mickey taking aimed at them recently. Uh, people seem to have written them off already, but if you take into consideration that they've been dispatched by Chelsea, like every team will, and smashed by City, like most teams will, and the next two fixtures are against Norwich and Burnley, respectively, isn't it time to distance oneself from the hyperbole and make the most out of the value that Arsenal actually do have? Yeah, it's it's that classic uh, form versus fixtures. Um It'll be interesting to see if Arsenal can turn the corner now with, with Norwich up next. But to say that, I think, would be a bit of a an insult to Norwich because they've been, you know, okay, they've had some bad moments, but they they it was a fairly even game against Leicester. Obviously, they got a penalty after Soyuncu, uh, you know, made a foul in the box. But, uh, you know, I think where Arsenal suffer big time is, is kind of in the air at the moment. Uh, their new signing Ben White just hasn't clicked at all. It's taken a long, long time for him to find his feet there. I, I really don't know where Arsenal go from here. Um, during the international break there, I seen they had a goal of the month. Uh, of course, there was no Premier League goals to nominate, <laughs> so they they had to pick out one of the goals from the uh, the cup game, which was a bit embarrassing. From the youth team or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think they arranged the behind uh, behind doors friendly just to kind of boost morale. Uh, I think it was against Brentford, who had beaten them 2-0 uh, in game week one. Christ. Yeah, I, I really don't know where we go from Arsenal. I, I, personally, I wouldn't be touching them at the moment until I see some sort of improvement. It's a, it's a really tricky situation because they're they're right down there in a the relegation battle. And 
I know we we kind of think they're going to get get out of it, but every week we, you know, they they don't seem to be making any strides or any improvements. Yeah, so I think if Norwich can find a, you know exploit the that kind of aerial vulnerability, um, they, they might well get something out of this game. I really wouldn't be putting my money on Arsenal at the minute. But have, have Norwich really got a side that can exploit aerial weakness? And and is it also? I think I read something as well that Arsenal are going to start playing three at the back again. Yeah, well, it was interesting because against Leicester, uh, Norwich had a late goal disallowed. Uh, that was from a corner, a set piece. I think it was uh, was it Kenny McLean? Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, but it was it was overturn for for handball just on the on the way in. So they were a little bit unfortunate there, but they they definitely had a little bit of an upper hand against Leicester there on on those set pieces. So um, and and generally Leicester can be you know tough to break down. So uh, that might be something they look at you know, coming into this game against Arsenal. Of course, asset-wise, who if you did want to punt on Arsenal, who you'd get, you know, you could get Smith-Rowe, maybe Saka, Aubameyang. It's hard to know. There's Aubameyang still commands quite a premium price. And mm, like, we've, like we've talked about, you know, everyone wants Ronaldo. So <laughs> there's a, mate, if it's a choice, <laughs> I think I know yeah, where I'm exactly. going. I think I know who I'd want. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. Jordi, uh, Kieran Tierney, I mean, 4.9 now he's at. I mean, he's yeah. a busy, busy player up there, left wing, and against that Norwich defence, there's a few gaps. Yeah, especially if they uh, if they uh, refer to a three at the back, like you mentioned. Uh, if he's playing wing back, then he could be a fantastic asset at 4.9. But I'm still uh, also, like Matt, not, not really convinced of their back line. Um, and obviously their fixtures are turning, but... Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I'm. 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 Uh, I'm willing to touch their defense yet, uh, even though Tierney has a big of an attacking threat. But yeah, the fixtures are turning. But I think people exaggerate that a bit, as in that their clean sheet potential is is there as well. Because I also think that I don't think that there is much clean sheet potential. I mean, if you if you look at Arsenal in away games, they're very poor. It doesn't matter who they play. I mean, they play Burnley away, Brighton away, and I can easily see them concede a couple of goals in both those games. Mm. So, yeah, the first thing you look for in a defender is clean sheet potential, and I'm not sure if, if Arsenal have that. <laughs> if they have anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, of course, Norwich is the first game, so the clean sheet potential will be the biggest in that one, uh, and then maybe... In, the home game against Palace in game week eight, but then it's five game weeks away and Burnley away, Tottenham at home and Brighton away in between. Mm. I can still see them concede a goal in any of those games. And that Brighton fixture is, I mean, it always, when you see Brighton come up, you think, oh, that's easy fixture, but it's really not these days, yeah. is it? It's really going to be a tight affair. Well, I've gone, I've gone with Arsenal. I've gone with two Arsenal players, Kieran Tierney and Smith Rowe. I just, I just so think you are convinced. I, I'm just convinced by how football shifts its narrative so quickly and how they've been written off so readily. I mean, to talk about Arsenal getting relegated, I mean, I do think it's a bit silly. Like I said, Chelsea are going to beat anyone. Do you honestly think Arsenal are going to add a chance against Chelsea before they kicked off? No. Do you think they had a chance against Man City before they kicked off? No. They're a mid-table side. They're a middling mid-table side who are capable of beating Norwich three 0 capable of get, beating Burnley three 0 and then getting spanked at Spurs. <laughs> That's what I think. So, will Arsenal? I mean, Arsenal. You fancy Spurs against Arsenal two weeks time, do you? I mean, yeah, but I also think uh, Arsenal got players returning from injury. Uh, their central defenders, especially, so should have White and Gabriel, which is a much stronger partnership. 
Uh, yeah, no, I think, but I like you. I think Kieran Tierney's a really good, a really good pick. Um, the, I mean, he's proved Arsenal's most, you know, one of their biggest attacking threats, and he's a defender. They really want to get him into the box. He's like, he's a, he's more of an attacking threat than Robertson at Liverpool. He's more highly rated than Robertson as well, apparently. In going back oh, to really? Scottish football, yeah. Pat Nevin was big on Tierney before he moved to England. In that sense, yeah, right. Whether oh, yeah. that whether yeah. that proves to be anything, but he does. He, if you take him as a player alone, he's an exceptional player, I think. But we'll see. Four point yeah. nine million, though. I mean, it's not a lot. It's not. It's not a lot, mate. It's not a lot. How prices are going? It's still a lot for an Arsenal defender. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, yeah. I suppose it's the clean sheet. Quite likely to get a clean sheet. And then if you're taking someone like Alexander Arnold from the Liverpool defence, even if they're not going to keep a clean sheet, you'd expect him to get an attacking return. So it's tricky. I think Tin is a good pick, though. Four point nine million. Well, we've been talking up Soufal on this podcast. Mm. West Ham's defense is awful. Yeah. Well, not so all, sorry, that sounds bad. Yeah, I, I mean, called that. I called that one. In terms of points returning clean sheets, but I mean, they, they look as a team when you watch them, they look solid enough. But they still they like a, to concede a goal, don't they? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's so. It's like we're basically saying Soufal's worth the mucking threat, but even though West Ham are likely to concede, then. Surely that's the same. The same logic applies to Tierney, doesn't it? Mm, indeed, indeed. Yeah, it does. Can I just quickly ask you, if you were wildcarding now, would you go for Soufal or Tierney? Uh, uh, Tierney, hundred percent. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That because good? even though even though I mentioned that I'm not convinced of Arsenal's defense, I also we agreed on that uh, uh, Soufal has assist potential, like two or three weeks ago. But then I also mentioned. I'm far from convinced of, uh, of of West Ham's defense, and that's the first thing I want my defender to have. Or I mean, clean sheet potential is is the most important thing. And still, even though I think Arsenal have don't have uh, as much clean sheet potential as everyone thinks, it's still bigger than West Ham's. Yeah, and on the plus side, Tierney has a bigger opportunity to score goals than Tufal. Tufal is just an assister. FBL Weekly. Brought to you by me, Alfie. On Alfie Pod's Fantasy Footy. Chatty Football Pie. Yordi, Chelsea versus Aston Villa. I think it's easy to say a home win with a clean sheet, but when these two met in May last, uh, albeit at Villa Park, Gene Smith's men ran out 2-1 winners. Is this as clean cut as your haircut? Uh, and uh, <coughs> why is Lukaku marked with a yellow alert? Because that worries me somewhat. Well, uh, I think I'm going to be lazy and say Chelsea win with a clean sheet. Uh, it feels that think, way. It certainly feels that yeah, way, doesn't it? I don't, think, I don't think May last year has anything to say about that because I think it was the last game of the season. Yeah, it was, yeah. But uh, yeah, as for Chelsea and clean sheets, uh, I, I digged up some stats. And since Tuchel has been in charge, uh, they've played 22 Premier League games and they've only conceded more than a goal, and more than one expected goal, sorry, that's, that doesn't include pens. So in 22 games, they have only conceded more than one goal on expected metrics three times. Wow, that's pretty impressive. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, those games were lost, lost uh, game week against Liverpool, against City in an away game, and at home against West Brom, that fluke, to, which ended in 2-5 for West Brom. Oh, that was a freak game, that, yeah. Yeah, I think that suggests uh, the way Tuchel plays is, yeah, defensive mind uh, yeah i wouldn't say he's a defensive minded manager but his defense is just extremely solid they seem to have players ev- on every inch of the pitch don't they 
Yeah. Do you know, wherever the ball goes, they've got uh, two or three defensive options closing the ball down. I think that's what's always impress, impressive. It's, it's, it's interesting because uh, they have had a manager before they would play like that uh, in uh, Antonio Conte. And, mm. But yeah, it's working even better now. So I think they could easily reach like 22, 23 clean sheets this year. Yeah, no, I've already, I mean, I predicted, I think um, Mendy will break Czech's clean sheet record this season. Mm. The Premier League clean sheet record, which is 24. I think Chelsea are that good. And also yeah. just, on, just to be an, an XG pedant, um, you say they obviously conceded more than one XG versus Liverpool, but it's kind of, again, there's that double chance thing of like the handball from James or whatever, handball thigh to hand on the line <laughs> yeah. resulted in a penalty. That will have an XG value. That header will have an XG value, as will the penalty. But essentially, that's kind of one chance, one goal. So you could also argue that um, some of those XG figures are a bit higher than they should be. Yeah, but I took I took the pen off, obviously. So oh, you didn't was, tell me that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said all the those numbers are excluded penalties. So. Did you say that? I'm just not listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cut this whole bit. Sorry. Jordi, say it now and I'll definitely put it in afterwards. So, that's so all these numbers don't include penalties. <laughs> See, there you go, Will. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, I mean, it's become apparent. I mean, it was kind of apparent before the season started that you, you do well to have a Chelsea defender in your team. But the question mark is... Rudiger feels like he's nailed at 5.5. But Christensen is a player who's been starting, well, every game, isn't he? Uh, he's a player at 5 million and he starts in the heart of their defence and he's caught the attention of many FPL managers because of his price tag. Uh, Jordi, you've been digging around. You've been very busy on Twitter posting lots of actual in-depth stuff. So let's talk Christensen. And if you can just basically tell us in short rather than me having to read the whole Twitter thing, that'd be great. Thanks. Well, I'll, I'll do my best, but still <laughs> read something I put on my Twitter. Let's talk uh, Christensen. Well, well, he started uh, since Tuchel was in charge. Uh, Christensen has been available for um, uh, sorry for nine, 16 games. Of those 19, I just said Tuchel was in charge for 22 games, but the first three games he was in charge, uh, Christensen just played a cup game. And he wasn't included in the squad for the first two or three games. So I took the numbers from the moment he got into the side. So Chelsea played 19 Premier League games uh, and Christensen was available for 16, injured for the other three, I think. And he started 13. So his start rate is more than 80%. Oh, that's good. The three games he didn't start were just before the away game against Atletico, just before the away game against Porto, and the third game he didn't start, he had just recovered from a hamstring injury. So that tells me he's an exceptional piece to Tuchel's puzzle. And Antonio Rudiger, who's arguably the most nailed Chelsea defender, has been available for 21 games and started 18 times, which comes down to an, a start rate of 86%. So that's very close. Price difference is 0.5. Obviously, if, if they were the same price, I think most would opt for Rudiger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Christensen is 5.0 and he's he's extremely valuable, I think, in FPL. Uh, especially if we think Chelsea are going to keep 20-plus clean sheets and he's going to be playing for like 80% of those games. Mm, indeed. And uh, who is his rival? Because he plays at the cent- right at the centre, doesn't he? So yeah. is Thiago Silva is his po- possible replacement? Yeah, Thiago Silva is, I think, the, his biggest rival. 
for the center center back position, but Christensen can also play the right center back. Silva has been on the bench for the first three Premier League games, which bodes well for the hierarchy. So, and uh, Silva has a bit, yeah, he's turning 37 at the end of September. He's a pretty injury prone player from memory. So it bodes well for for Christensen's prospects. Yeah, you kind of get the um, you kind of get the idea as well. If he, he did, if he didn't have a future at the club, they would have sold him by now, especially after the Euros. Uh, I think he's uh, talking about contract extensions now. Yeah. Oh, there's only one caveat, which is that Christensen has no attacking threat at all. No, but five million. I mean, if that's four points, that's more than an assist every week, isn't it? That is. Logic suggests. Matt, are you bringing him into your side? I, I, I'm not going to lie. I've already got him in mind. Well, if I don't get Ronaldo this week, I can look towards uh, maybe turning Simicast to a five million uh, defender. So it, it is a possibility or, or tyranny if like that, if, if we think that Arsenal are going to turn a corner with their fixtures improving. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Um, I'll have a look into it and see if any news comes out about Ronaldo that might sway me in the other direction. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Chelsea defence does look great. Um, obviously, the the red card against Liverpool, you know, it, it is harsh. We don't like to see those things happen. Unfortunately, it probably is the rule. I think it is the rule at the minute, but they may review that after this season. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I again, I captained Salah. I went against the crowd um, who went with Antonio. I went with Salah thinking that Liverpool were going to be you know, this different beast and going to put Chelsea to the sword. But, I, you know, I got really lucky in the end with that red card because uh, even after even after Chelsea were down to 10 men, they caused a few problems for Liverpool. So they really look uh, they really look like a, a title challenging team at the minute. Um, you know, City haven't really been off the mark, I don't think, yet. I know they've had some great results, but I don't think... I think the results are maybe a bit flattering to City's performance. I've seen them play better with, you know, poorer results. So, yeah, Chelsea are definitely uh, a team that I feel I should have assets in, but I don't. So, yeah. Especially if they're going to win the league. You should you should have players from the league winners in your side, shouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, and, and, and like we've touched on, you know, if we all expect them to, to keep, uh, you know, a really high number of clean sheets... Um, I do think, not not to put Aston Villa down, but I do think, you know, it's a decent fixture to maybe consider it. Obviously, game week seven might be the more optimum time to get them, you know, considering they have a couple of maybe trickier fixtures until then. But uh, yeah, it's an option. It's definitely an option for me. And City, it's just, you know, you touched upon City there, Matt, but uh, I read today that uh, obviously Scott Carson could be playing in goal for them. So that weakens their defence. <laughs> yeah. Will might be able to uh, elaborate on the whole situation with uh, how the Brazil government and how everybody has uh, handled the situation. But let's talk about that because the, the reason Scott Cast could be playing is because uh, both their other goalkeepers, Edison, is Brazilian, of course. So, Will, how are we in terms of players returning from international duty and being a- available to play in Game Week 4? Like, is it just the Brazilians at threat? Brazilians are at threat because the... Brazilian Football Confederation, CBF, have complained to FIFA that uh, the Premier League clubs didn't release their players. Um, the only exception is Richarlison because they're on good terms with Everton because Everton allowed Richarlison to basically play throughout the summer for Brazil in both the Copper and the Olympics. So that's why he's not affected. But all the other players, they are trying to get FIFA to impose their five-day ban so that they wouldn't be able to play for their clubs for five days after the international break. Whether that happens or not, who knows? 
who knows? I mean, my opinion is all of this has been forced upon football by inept governments, but that's probably another debate. <laughs> For another podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, there, the, the reason the clubs are not uh, did not release the players was because of the UK quarantine rules, which I don't think they should have made exceptions for the footballers. And they should also review how they label some of these countries. As someone speaking from Colombia, we have fewer... I mean, you can argue fewer COVID-related cases is due to fewer tests being made, but fewer COVID-related deaths on a population that's not dissimilar from the size of the UK, it's about 50 million less. So why is... Why is Colombia on the red list if it's only getting like 70 COVID-related deaths a day? Hmm. Does that mean Mar no Martinez this week as well, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and one stat on Rom, which I dug up, is he started um, six matches against Aston Villa and he scored in all of them. No, he's delivered an attacking return in all of them. He scored in five of them, gave an assist in the other. Big Rom as opposed to Big Ron. Lukaku, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, every team. I, I bank on him against every team this season. I just—he looks so good. He looks so well, good. Well, he was. He was going to be my transfer, my only transfer in this week, but he's apparently having a needing to to have a scan on his thigh. So, but he's been playing with that injury for a while. It's not like he's like, oh, it's a niggling injury I've had. I thought I'd just get a scan on it and to see if it reveals anything. It wasn't like, oh, this definitely rules me out of the match. I mean, yeah. they've known but about this injury before. But it's still something. I mean, Villa at home, Tuchel might see it as a as a as an easy win game with Champions League after. So, and he's known to rotate. So this, also, yeah, just playing devil's advocate. But yeah, there's that chance that he starts on the bench or is bench, not starts on the bench. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> left on the bench, as we say. Yeah. Uh, Will, I want to come to you again. Leeds versus Liverpool. Uh, obviously, we don't do lazy journalism here, but if we did, uh, we'd say Leeds concede lots of chances. Liverpool have Salah, Jota, and Mane. They're going to score a bucket load. Captain Salah is going to be 5 1 Liverpool. That is how it would seem going to this game for most people, including myself, actually. But considering last season this fixture resulted in 1 1 draw, are we being sucked into a red herring somewhat? Yeah, I mean, the question I have is probably more, more one for a Leeds fan, but at what point do Leeds kind of settle down and establish their defence because they kind of started last season pretty open like they've done this one with it. And it's the same for a lot of teams. I and mean, we've discussed this previously, that teams keep more clean sheets in the second half of the season than they do in the first half of the season. Um, so there's that element to to Leeds where have they, is their defence settled yet? Like last, last year, Leeds away was game week 32 and Liverpool played Leeds at home in game week one. So it's are you going on the home away thing or are you going on defences being worse earlier in the season rather than late in the season? Right. Because obviously Salah got a hat-trick uh, in game week one against Leeds. Yeah, it's tricky. The question I'm also wondering is with Firmino likely ruled out because of injury, and Jota playing, are we get, does that hinder Salah? I mean, Salah still be getting a lot of shots, so maybe this is the this is a poor argument. He just hasn't been getting the same amount of returns. But Jota certainly seems a better value pick than Salah. It depends who you're going to captain. Like if you're captaining Ronaldo, do you want and you know you want to spread the value in your team? Do you want Jota or do you want Salah? You would want to have Salah long term, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, if you're not wildcarding, there's no point in getting rid of him. I mean, so you'd have, yeah, you'd keep him as one of your two captain options with 
with either Ronaldo or Lukaku, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, it's easy for me to say because I own both, and I don't have Trent. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't be in a hurry to to sell Salah. No, I mean the question, I suppose, is really: Do you keep Salah over Bruno Fernandez? Um, I mean, you've made a case for keeping Bruno Fernandez, but if you had a tra- if you had to pick between the two, surely you'd pick Salah, wouldn't you? Well, I may, I was just making the case for this weekend and and the state of your team because I only have one free transfer. And obviously, obviously long term, I'm looking at getting rid of Fernandez because of Ronaldo's arrival. Even if Fernandez keeps the penalties, then I'd still say he is less valuable than he was. So long term, I'm still looking at getting rid of Fernandez, but I'm I never considered getting rid of Salah. Another point uh, that's all you know, it's also worth uh, keeping in mind. Uh, if this whole Brazilian FA thing does see uh, you know the players banned for five days, uh, you know Liverpool will be without Allison and Fabinho, and that's a that's a big blow to their kind of defensive prospects. Um, but then on the flip side, you know Rafinha for Leeds could could also be missing out. So it'll be it'll certainly be a bit more of an interesting game. You know Liverpool weaker defensively. Uh, leads maybe a bit more, uh, you know, vulnerable in attack. You know, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out if that goes ahead. But uh, even if all players are available, I could still see, I could still see Leeds nicking nicking a goal or two. So I think it's going to be an exciting game either way. I'll, I'll be looking forward to it, but I, I don't think I'd be captaining. Uh, I don't think I'd be captaining Salah over a, a United player. I, I think. You know, it could really smash Newcastle League. Mm, big time. Could be heavy. Uh, Will, you've got a question, a Man United headache type selection question. Well, I was going to ask about Greenwood as well, because now he's been started the season really well. And um, apart from game week two, where he started on the wing, he's been playing centrally. What happens to him now? What happens to his prospects? Is he still value for money? I think he moves to the right with Ronaldo coming in. Center, yeah. Well, long term, it's 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 guesswork because you got Rashford, you got Cavani, you got Sancho, Pogba's playing better on the left wing rather than in center mid. So it's all up in the air. But right now, uh, Greenwood just received the Player of the Month award, so it would yeah. be rude to, to leave him out, right? And things with United with Greenwood as well. Like United, are, I think I said this before. They're they're a they're strong on narrative at Old Trafford. They they really believe in narrative, and Greenwood is seen as the future. That's why he's been playing centre forward. I, I think even if Greenwood does shift out to the right, we've seen him being effective there a lot of times. Like you know when Martial was playing centre forward, uh, I don't know if it was the preseason game or the first week of the the season. It might have been both. But uh, yeah, Greenwood he was getting chances even when he was out. You know more on a wide position. So I mean. Ugh. For seven point foot or whatever he is now, but I I still think he has a lot to offer in that price range. I wouldn't be, you know, thinking of losing him quite yet. Yordi, I'm going to come back to you because uh, Southampton versus West Ham this week could be a tasty fixture. Uh, sticking with your Scandinavian assessments you've been doing on Twitter, you'll be looking at Southampton's Mohamed Al Yunusi. Signed from Basel way back in June 2018 when Incredibles 2 was top of the cinema box office. I think I'm right when I say he was brought in to replace Dusan Tadic. He played 17 times before being shipped off to loan to uh, to Celtic. But now he's back. Uh, is he back back? 
And also at 5.5 million, is he worth keeping an eye on? Well, uh, if he's back back, I'm, I don't know yet uh, because it's too early to say, but he had a, he had a great game in the cup uh, against Newport County, which was his first game for Southampton since, uh, yeah, since being uh, loaned out to Celtic. Um, he scored a hat-trick, back to assists. Um, then he started the game in the, uh, in the Premier League right after against Newcastle. He played the full 90 minutes, which I find interesting. Uh, and he scored a goal, another goal. So, yeah, I went to went to check his history a bit. And turns out he's actually, he could be pretty popular pick later in the season at only 5.5. Because he has, yeah, he has a tendency to... Uh, to come up with a really good end product. Scored lots of goals abroad at Celtic and Basel. Um, also had a hand in lots of assists. So, yeah, uh, he's certainly one to keep an eye on when uh, Southampton have a tasty fixture run. I think beginning in around game week eight. So it's it's definitely one I have on uh, I have on my watch list. Mm, definitely a nice price. Uh, anyone else fancying the uh, Southampton players? Well, I just want to bring in Livramento again, who at 4.1 million just seems incredible value because, you know, when he played um, in the junior ranks at Chelsea, he often played in, in midfield positions, getting forward and scoring. I think we've seen a bit of that attacking potential. Um, I think I was looking at, if you look at players priced 4.5 million or under, defenders priced 4.5 million or under, he's like third for attacking threat behind Simicas and... Uh, and Duffy, I think it is, or creative threat. I'm getting this all wrong. There we go. It's my <laughs> lazy journalist, isn't it? You, you're talking on, about the official FPL side, Will? Talk about the official FPL side. He's yeah. third for creativity for defenders costing 4.5 million or less, um, which I think represents great. And he's cheaper than the two players above him. So I, th- I mean, I think he represents excellent value for money. And I mean, even, you know, would you, if you want to afford all these big premiums, is it even worth considering starting with a player like this? Because once he'll get an assist soon, yeah. and then people will be like, oh, 4.1 million. Oh, he's such good value. We all got to get him. Yeah. Yeah. I've already, got, I've already, I've already just gone for him now. I just think, you know, in terms of doing the wild cards, just get him in now. And he's, he, even if he doesn't play for me, he's, you know, he's the 4 million yeah. defender that we were actually looking for. Because, I've seen when I've watched him play, he looks genuinely good. He doesn't just look like he's filling in numbers. He looks genuinely like a good prospect, very athletic. Hundred well. percent. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but on the other hand, uh, do we expect Southampton to keep clean sheets? Many clean sheets this season. Uh, I mean, I'm all for them. I think I think they are my dark horse for this season in the Premier League. Um, I think everyone has a bit of a yeah low expectations of them due to last season and the season before. Get to get smashed nine nil two times on two occasions so but I think there are lots of goals in this team if I had to say one team would, which would be my dark horse this, this year it's going to be Southampton Thank you so much for joining us on today's show thank you for listening of course uh, the FBL Weekly will be back every week unless it's an international football course uh, more for the boys you can always uh, read up on what Jordi puts up on Twitter it's very very thorough very thorough indeed and that's you can find their Twitter handles in the little blurb to this episode of course you can follow me at Twitter at AlfPodsFF you'll find that in the little blurb and of course uh, if you do enjoy this please do tell people please do share because it makes all the difference it doesn't seem like it does but it really does. And uh, I meant to tell people to subscribe, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave that up to you because it feels a bit weird, doesn't it? Meh. Anyway, good luck with game week number four. Let's speak soon. 